You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sterling Chapman, and we're joined today by Steve Kearney with Homebuyers Louisiana. Did I get that last name right, Steve? Uh, it's pretty close, Kiri. It's pretty hard to pronounce, Kiri. Steve, Steve <laughs> Kiri. Steve, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. And first, could you explain to us why you have an Australian accent in South Louisiana? <laughs> yeah, so um, I came here on a vacation four years ago, and I never left. <laughs> so... That's why I'm here. You know, we fell in love with New Orleans, um, just the culture, the people, and then just business-wise and, like, property-wise, sure. uh, I saw the opportunities in that. So we moved our whole life here, man. Awesome. So can you take us back to kind of what you were doing before, how you got into real estate and and what you're doing today, and just kind of give us a, you know, give us the rundown. Yeah. So like, like many people, really, I'm like a big Robert Kiyosaki fan. I was lucky enough to hear him talk in 2000. Um, so in Australia and Sydney. So I was at uh, college at the time and my friend dragged me there. I wasn't into personal development. I wasn't into finance, you know, and man, he just opened something in my head. Um, and so I never, I was studying marketing and economics at the time at university. I had two years left of my degree. So I just kept reading those two years and I decided to not get a job when I graduated, you know, like Robert Kiyosaki says, you want to be on the, you know, on the B side of the quadrant, you know, start a business. So I went all in on that. So I had the Robert Kiyosaki philosophy of build a business to buy properties. So that's really where I came from. And so I'm probably less of a property person, even though I invest full time now, but I really started in the business world. Um, I was lucky enough. We had some really good business partners. We created a pretty significant business in Australia, very similar to like Home Advisor and Angie's List in America, where you connect oh, contractors cool. with with consumers. And uh, we grew. I mean, I grew that to three hundred staff. You know, we had had a bunch of success, but you know, I started buying properties. So that's when I started buying properties. Um, so uh, I just after many years, like I got really good income. So as well as, you know, like having a company, I was paying myself because we had investors. So I needed to get paid. So I use that income to start purchasing rentals. I ended up acquiring like six single family rentals, nothing fancy, just, just like buying off the MLS. You know, I did pick areas that they were never, they weren't where I lived. So I really did research the areas and growth drivers, et cetera. So like I did that part, but you know, it wasn't that hands-on. Um, but then I decided to leave the company. Just, it just really outgrown me. You know, I was able to sell a bunch of my shares. So I was pretty liquid. And again, Robert Kiyosaki, his book, Retire Young, Retire Rich, talks about taking a year off when he sold his first company. Um, so I, that's what I did. And that's what brought me to America. Like it was a year off. You know, we love America. New Orleans our favorite city. So we came here for six months. So it was a significant holiday, significant vacation. Um, and that's, that's really when... You know, I wanted, we wanted to come here. I started to learn about the property market. I started going to meetups. Um, I bought a deal actually off a wholesaler to sort of set up my business over here. And I didn't know what wholesalers did. They didn't really exist in Australia. So I learned and I went to like a course on wholesaling and I learned it was sales and marketing. And that's what I did for our company. I, I ran, I was chief marketing officer. I ran, I had 90 salespeople that worked for me. So when I saw it, I'm like, dude, that's what, <laughs> that's my skill set. Um, so then I started wholesaling at first learned the market was, you know, moving deals. And then once I became confident and really learned from all the buyers I spoke to, I started taking properties down myself, uh, really using the Burr method. I had cash from my business. I was able to buy cash, you know, fast close and then refinance out those properties. And 
build a portfolio, you know, which is where that long-term wealth, I believe, comes from. Awesome. No, great story for sure. So what type of, uh, what type of houses are you buying? Um, what is your, what is your typical deal look like? So, I mean, I'm pretty much interested. I, I like, I, I do the Burr method, right? I'm sure everyone knows, you know, but there's capital B, capital R, capital R, capital R. I sort of go capital B, little R. <laughs> so I like a little rehab. So I will buy anything where I feel I can get all my money back and cash flow. Like if it's going to meet that, that's really my criteria, but with a little rehab, you know, and it's hard to get, you know, obviously I do wholesale. So I do a lot of marketing. So I'm luckily the source of the deal and I'm able to like cherry pick, you know, houses don't need too much work, but it's still price right. I'm going to take that down myself if it needs a big rehab. Where where all do you wholesale? Do you are you just in the New Orleans area? Are you in Metairie, Baton Rouge, anything like that? Um, really great in New Orleans. So I mean, mainly Orleans Parish, Jefferson Parish. So definitely Metairie. I, I will go into the North Shore. Saint- I own a few rentals in St. Tammany. Um, that's it. I don't really do much in Baton Rouge. I get a few deals there. I might joint venture them with some more local people. Um, so I'm I'm really mainly great in New Orleans, Orleans, Jefferson, St. Tammany. Awesome. So I. I'm in Baton Rouge and I, I'm doing a house right now in Metairie, another one in Laplace, and I've got them all over Baton Rouge and, and Ascension and Baker and Zachary. Um, I'm afraid of New Orleans. I love Metairie, by the way, uh, but yeah. I'm afraid of New Orleans because you, you, I don't know the area well and you never know what you're going to get from street to street, right? Awesome. Like in Baton Rouge, I'm like, oh, that neighborhood? Yeah, I'll buy anything in that neighborhood. Like I can fix the inside. I don't care. You know, but in in New Orleans, you could have a million dollar mansion next door to a fifty thousand dollar crack shack. And if you don't, if you're not like super intimate with the the geography, you could really get burned. So that's why I've avoided it. Um, I'm sure there's tons of money to be made there. I just don't know how to do it. Uh, you're hundred percent right. Like, 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 and uh, you do see a lot of people that come like, you know, a lot of like virtual wholesalers from out of state, like that they're, they're notorious to get their prices wrong. Cause it is really hard, you know, and I'm obviously not a local, but I immerse myself in it. And I connected well, with a local. Lo- you're a local at this point. I mean, I'm local now, you know, I had, I had to learn the market, yeah, but the, they the, have the national trick- wholesalers that have never been to new Orleans that are, <laughs> that's Des- true, that are that's true. In, sitting in Des Moines, Idaho, sending me deals, you know, exactly. Like, I'm like, I'm an hour away and I couldn't tell you what that house worth. There's no way from Iowa, you're going to know what yeah. that house is worth. I think the biggest mistake people make, right? Because most people, t- and mostly work, right? You sort of go 0.05 radius to pull your comps. Just just throw that away in, in, in your lanes. You really need to draw a, a map really tight and just do not cross any major roads. So like when I comp a property, it's a really tight area. And if it crosses a road, it could be, it could be hundred feet away, but it's a whole different neighborhood. You can't use that comp. So you do need to keep it super tight. Um, and it does mean it's harder for national people to come in. You don't get the big eye buyers. So it probably creates space for more people like me who are local and intimate and, and, and can work the market. So, I mean, I definitely like it. Um, but yeah, and I, dr- I drive into some sketchy areas sometimes. I mean, I know right in there. It can get sketchy. <laughs> Awesome. So you, you just started your, your real estate business when you got here. Is that correct? Or you said you bought, you bought a few houses off like the, the MLS while you were in. Yeah. 
in Australia. So I, I probably, and I started investing um, maybe like six years ago and I started buying the single families in Australia. So I, I, I bought six there. So um, what was, I, I, Sydney property, Australia property sucks. Like it's super expensive. You know, where I'm from is very much like San Francisco, really high prices. Sure. And then the, the rent low, relative low. to the, yeah. the yield is terrible. So I always, I convinced my wife to like, we were going to rent. So we've always rented. Um, and I, in fact, I literally closed on my first property like six weeks ago. I'm sitting in it now, but like this is the first property that like we've lived in as our forever home now. But uh, we always bought, so we always rented where we lived and I bought rentals in areas that made more sense where the yields were okay. And I looked at the growth drivers. So I did geek out on some spreadsheets. I looked at like, you know, population change, median income change. I put a lot of census data uh, to narrow down my list. I'd look at infrastructure projects in the area and I'd pick good areas. And all, they're all six, all in different areas. Never, to this day, I've never seen a property. You've never seen a property? Never seen those, those six in Australia, the ones in, in, in America. I've never seen the properties. Um, they've grown like crazy. Um, the, the, the appreciation's been awesome, but I never saw them. Um, and people think I'm crazy about that. Like I look, friends in real estate are like, how do you, how do you know the areas? How do you know where the cafes are? And I actually think that when you're local, it blinds you. I actually think I've seen the properties better than anyone else because I, I look through numbers. I look through spreadsheets. I, I really like, that's how I looked. And then I got local knowledge. I got my pro, I got a property, I connected with property managers that will look after the property and I got them to go look at them. So I'd, I'd negotiate if the numbers looked right. I'd send my property manager there. And they would validate the rents would get that validate what they thought the value was. And if they'd have trouble renting it, because, and they're, they're a third party that they want a property they can rent. You know what I mean? So I trusted, I trusted them. And then I got a property inspection report, obviously. And that's all I needed. I had a property inspection report. I had everything laid out. I, I confident in the value. I was confident I could rent it. The deal made sense. I bought it. Property managers send me reports every six months. I get photos of the inside. I get a full inspection report. So, like, I, I see it, but I've never been there and touched it. Yeah. So, talk to me about cash flow. How do you calculate the cash flow on these properties? Can you walk us through some numbers? This is a conversation I ask a lot when I when I meet other Burr investors because I borrow a bunch of houses. Yeah. And and so what I do and and only time will tell how accurate this is. It's hard for me to tell because I keep spending money. But Mm -hmm. um, so what I'll do is I'll take a house and I'll look at what the the ending debt is going to be like when I'm done with all my refinances. And I go, you know, off the bottom, I take the principal interest, taxes and insurance. I estimate 2% for taxes and insurance in South Louisiana. It's about right. Yep. And then off the top, I take 20%, which I give to, you know, property management, vacancy and repairs. And then if I can cash flow a couple hundred dollars in between those numbers, then, then I'm good. What is, what is your, what is your cash flow calculation? Because it's not, it's, I mean, it's all spreadsheet performance. I mean, unless, unless you've had the property 10 years and you can look at real data, but I'm growing at a rate where like, I mean, I bought half of them last year. Like I don't, and there was some deferred maintenance. I don't really yeah. know how, how it's going to shake out. Uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm looking very much like you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm slightly less. I'm putting aside, I think about 15% on uh, maintenance and CapEx. Um, and, but I'm also allowing 10% for property management. I do a property manager. Um, so I allow those 
those costs. How much, and, how much do you need to cash flow on each property after doing that? Uh, I'll be honest with you. If, if I can get all my money back and I'm cash flowing a hundred dollars a month, I'm happy. Like I, I don't mind. So it, for me, I, I really get excited by watching amortization and everything. Like I get the whole, for me, I view the property as a financial instrument. Like the fact that I'm putting that debt on it, it's 30 year fixed. Like, Oh my God. Like, I don't know if Americans appreciate how good that is. It doesn't exist yeah. in any other country. So coming from Australia, there's no such thing as 30 year fixed debt. It's all, it's all adjustable. We can fix for five years max. So for me, the 30 year fixed debt at these rates is like amazing. You know, I really believe in, so yeah. how are you, how are you getting your financing? So, um, I, I, I'm able to buy cash so the, in terms of initial buying, I've used all my own money, which I do need to change. I do want to, I mean, that limits you. I, I mean, I'm lucky I have a decent amount of capital for my business. It listed on the strange stock exchange. Um, so I was able to like take some capital from that. Um, but so that I'm able to buy cash and I don't have really a holding cost in that, but I do, I have a commercial lender who they do 30 year fixed in my LLC. I pay a little bit more than like, I pay more than like what, you know, I pay like 4.75%. Um, but I'm laughing at that 30 year fixed. Sure, sure, sure. And for me, it's just that instrument. It's just like, it's um, okay. I'm making one property is not a big deal. Yeah. Great. You might make $2,000 a year in like profit and that's accounting for all the expenses that isn't that exciting by itself, but I've got zero money in it. So my cash on cash return is infinite. Like, you know, I've got no money in it and I can just repeat that process and stack them up. And then I really get excited. Like, yeah, watching the amortization every month. Like, yeah, I'm only getting that $2,000 a year, but also the principal is being reduced. That That's equity I'm getting. You know, I do believe that inflation, I've been saying this for a long time and now everyone's saying it, <laughs> but I've been saying for a long time, inflation's coming, get put in this debt. And, you know, now people see it. <laughs> um, so for me, it's just that some, instrument. Some people are still in denial. <laughs> really? I, I thought we finally got there, but, uh, you know, and, and again, being a case, I'm very shaped by Kisaki and Kisaki's always said savers are losers. He's always, he's always seen that. He's always talked about the dollar coming off the gold standard. It's fake. It's fiat currency. So like I've always ascribed to that and, and like you really in reality seeing that play out right now and I've positioned myself to take advantage. So what is your, again, what does your average deal look like? What, 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 Cost range, what price range, what um, rent range are you buying houses in? Yeah, so I seem to. I mean, it definitely varies, but I do. I do seem to like the uh, slightly less valuable properties. Where you want those beautiful areas, you know, you know, and, and that makes sense for a flipper. I, I tend to find I like areas on the fringe a little bit. Like I own a bunch of properties in Marrero on the west bank of Jefferson Parish here. I own a bunch in New Orleans East, which a lot of people like are scared of New Orleans East. And you know, there are some scary areas, but when you buy in a single I buy single families there in nice areas, um, you know, Slidell, et cetera. So I I, I tend to like where the ARVs about 170, you know, maybe 150 to 200. Like I find that those tend to cash flow when you start getting the more expensive property. Like I have one I've got in mid city here in New Orleans. It's a double. It's really bad. It's probably the most equity I've got. Like I got a good deal and the equity is strong in there, but the rents relative to that, it's actually slightly negative cash flow. I still bought it because in my portfolio, it, it, it averages out and, it, and there was equity in the property, but it's not, I'm more excited by just stacking up those ones where they're cash flow positive. And I also feel that when you're in that price range, like when you're a bit lower, you're safe, more safe against shocks. You know, that top of the market, when things go down and that'll happen, 
that's really where you're hurt. But if you're at or a little bit below the median house price, like you're generally safe, but people come down. There's always renters, there's demand. So, so that's sort of my sweet spot. Um, but I will buy anywhere that like that that I can get my money back. Oh, and you ask me rents. The rents are normally you know twelve hundred, uh, twelve hundred, fourteen hundred, um, something around there. Cool, cool. So, what's next for you and your business? Great, great question. Um, more of the same for now. I'm just like trying to, I'm trying to stack the properties. You know, my goal is to have a hundred, a uh, hundred cash flowing properties. Um, I'm at, I'm at like 25 now. So, so I want to get to a hundred there. You know, I want to, I do need to grow my business. So uh, as a, I'm here on a, what they call a business investment visa. So, so I need to have a business and employ people. So, you know, I need to have five employees and like, so, uh, so I need to like maintain a business like that. So my goal is to have the business running, build the properties, but I'm not so aggressive these, these days, you know, like, you know, I, I've taken a lot of risks. I had the big company and, you know, that's really risky and there's a lot of reward and I'm lucky I was able to cash out some reward. So I'm sort of a little bit, I'm not as aggressive as I once was. And I'm pretty happy to see that like five star, just stack some properties, you know, really balance, you know, just get, get the cash flow and balance, you know, work versus, versus enjoying life. Awesome. Awesome. So, how many properties would you say you wholesale versus keep? It really depends. It depends on the season, right? So I, I can't buy I first, them all, all the time. <laughs> when I first, when I first, when I first started, I wholesaled all of them for a while, and then I learned the market. Then I, for a while, I kept the majority of them. Um, now I just bought this. I totally bought my forever home. Like it's a pretty substantial house. I put a lot of cash into it. So I'm actually sending out more deals right now because I'm just a little bit, back, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit less aggressive and I, I am trying to build some contingencies. I think, you know, I think the risks in the market are definitely higher than they've been previously. So I'm still buying, but I'm just trying to have more reserves and just, just, just be a little bit safer. So <laughs> I, at the moment, I'm wholesaling more. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm selling those houses and people are like, why are you selling houses? I was like, cause I need money. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. everybody assumes that like, because I, I buy all these houses that I got a lot of money and I'm like, it's, it's the opposite. I don't have any yeah. money. I spend it all on houses. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think you need to appreciate this. There's like a, it's a roller coaster. There's like, and you, you need to balance things out, right? You want to go, you need to go aggressive in acquiring assets. Right. But then, yeah. and you got it, you got a bunch of assets and I, I've followed you. Like I see you're getting lots of assets, right. There comes a time to like just balance it and get some cash, fix the balance sheet, de-risk a little bit. And then yeah. you feel comfortable and you go and go and go again. I think that's prudent. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And, and I mean, another thing to, to your point of like where the, the properties are going to cash flow the best. Like I like those, those 150 to, to 200 properties, yeah. you know, I've got a couple of 225, 250 ones I'm holding, but I'm definitely selling anything over 250. Yeah. And because it's just hard to cash flow. And I don't want all that equity trapped out there, not maximizing it. You know, I bought it like, I bought a few houses that I anticipated being worth like 250 and it turns out they're worth like 350. So yeah. it's like, do I leave that? You know, do I leave all that equity in there or do I cash out refinance and cash flow negative? Like, now I'll just capture that equity and redeploy it somewhere else where it can maximize its ROI. For sure. And I, I, I think the, the, I mean, the answer to the question too depends on the portfolio, right? You need to, you need to, it, there's no hard and fast answer to should I sell, should I do a um, yeah, cash out? You need to look at your portfolio and, and just no, do, so do what feels right. 
I'll say this. I go into these properties with a low cost basis and, and I could hold them. You know what I mean? You know, that, that, that was always my, my deal. Cause you know, for the first few years I never sold anything. And I was always like very anti flipping because I'm like, yeah, you can make a lot of money doing it, but you can also get in trouble doing it because you know, you're buying a $400,000 house that you want to sell for seven. Well, I mean, that'd be great. But if the market tanks, you, you could yeah. end up with a, a house that you owe a bunch of money on that can't cash flow because it rents for two grand a month. And so where I've gotten to where I'm more willing to flip houses now than I was earlier in my investing career, I still, I still have that safety net. Like I still go into it with decent debt and I still like, I still have like a total all in of like under 200, you know what I mean? So yeah. like I could still cash flow or bare minimum break. Even if I had to hurl, you know, if, if we had some like apocalyptic market, tank tomorrow that lasted three years you know i could survive it and hold everything i have and i and i want to i want to stay true to my my um my kind of criteria to where i'm not ever getting out of my out of my lane with those higher end flips so i'll I'll sell houses but i I, i'm gonna keep my cost base low and if i need to hold them it won't be an issue exactly and again it's your portfolio you got the portfolio to back it up so so that that makes sense um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you'd flip in, uh, um, I just think you need to recognize the difference between long-term wealth and making cash, right? So flipping and wholesaling to me, it's the same thing. Like it's the same sort of income. You know, when I wholesale a property, yeah, I make a bunch of, I make some money up front. That's great. When you flip a property, it's obviously you're going to make a bit more money, but you're going to put more effort and risk into it. Like that's great. You get a, a, a flux of cash, but you know, you need to keep doing that to keep that cash coming in, you know, so there's, there's nothing wrong with that and you probably need to do a bit of that, but you also need that long-term wealth. And that's where those, you know, $2,000 a month on that bird deal, they got no money. And it's like, that's not going to make you rich that year, but over time you just keep doing that. That's where the wealth comes in, you know? So, you know, I think there's a ba- balance between doing both and that's sort of what I try to do. And, you know, I'll wholesale some, I'll keep some and just depending where I'm at, I might keep them all or I might be wholesaling them all for a period of time and just, just, just keeping that balance happening. Awesome. So I want to hop over to our radio round real quick to um, help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. So it's just three quick questions. The first one is what's your favorite book? Yeah, I'm going to say uh, retire young, retire rich by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, I know everyone says it's Robert Kiyosaki. I, I, I just, everybody says rich dad, poor dad. So I'll take a different Kiyosaki book. <laughs> because I would like to belabor that point though. Right. Because like, I think like Robert Kiyosaki's influenced everyone. And I, I met him here in New Orleans actually. Um, and after I saw him in 2000, I saw him again and I'm like, I wanted to go speak to him and tell him the impact he had on my life, you know, how I'd never had a job. And I did, but there was a massive line <laughs> And I realized, I thought I had this cool story and I realized everyone had the same story. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like what an amazing guy he is. But, but uh, there's a lot more to it than Rich Dad Poor Dad. Like I've read every book. I've literally read every, he's done a lot of books. I've read every single book. I listen to his radio. Like I, I, it goes a lot further than just Rich Dad Poor Dad. Like you need, so I, I bet everyone's read it. I bet everyone loves it. They've probably read Cashflow Quadrant. My yeah. thing is keep going, read them all, listen to podcasts. I, I, I just, there's just so much value there. Awesome. No, definitely. And if you run into them again, tell them that I'm trying to get them on the rent roll radio show. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> um, the next question is what's your favorite quote? I, I, I love Robert Kiyosaki's quote, which is to be successful. You need to be incompetent and lazy. 
<laughs> and, and, and to let that land a little bit, it's obviously very grating and, and, and that doesn't seem to make sense because like that isn't at the opposite. And just to explain that quote, cause I like the quote cause you need to think about it to actually understand what he's saying. Right. And, and really his point was, you don't want to be the smartest person. If you're the person that's the smartest, you have to do everything. You can't grow. You know, as a business person, you have the smart people around you, you direct, listen here. And that's actually how you do a lot more. Um, and being lazy is the same thing of outsourcing, you know, like sure. replacing yourself, you know, you want to, you want to hire people. Um, so that's my favorite quote. Cause it's just so jarring and so powerful. Um, it's the opposite of everyone thinks. Awesome. And what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Uh, obviously spent time with my family, uh, my wife and kids and the saints, man, I'm a big saints fan. Half the reason I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. How can our listeners get in touch with you, find out more about you, connect with you? Probably, probably best to um, maybe through LinkedIn, hit me up through LinkedIn, Stephen Keery. Um, you can hit me up on Facebook. Um, you know, we have a, we, if you're in New Orleans, uh, we run a meetup here actually on the West Bank um, every the second Thursday of every month. Uh, the West Bank Real Estate Investors, look that up on Facebook. Uh, we go there and catch up and we drink and network as well as having speakers. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. I really appreciate a chance to get to know you. I'll definitely come check out your meetup. If, uh, if, if I can make it out to the West bank and if you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, feel free to come by the, the red stick Ria. That's on my agenda. I'm, de- I'm definitely going to come down. Um, I've, I've definitely been watching you guys. So I'm definitely going to come down and I'm really glad to meet you. I've followed you on Facebook. So, you know, I wanted to connect with you as well, as well as your listeners, but um, yeah, great, great to chat more. Awesome. Thanks. Looking forward to keeping up with you on your journey. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at Rent Roll Radio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.